What's up, y'all? This is Alex. This is Keys. And you're now vibing with us on Me Too, Too Radio Zone. You broken down and tired. Living life on a merry-go-round. And you can't find the fighter. I see you, so we can work it out. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to Me Too Radio Zone. Episode three, hashtag me too. That's me T O O. So, Keys here, all by my lonesome. Alex isn't with us today, but she is handling some business. So, we are sending some love and support her way today. You know, she out there handling her BI, doing grown woman thing. So, um, but I'm not completely alone. We do have a guest today. We have Miss Emily Randall. What's up, Emily? What's up, everybody? Hey, hey. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for agreeing to to come on and do this episode today. So before we get into uh, what we're going to be talking about today, just really quick, it is April, and April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, hence the title of the episode, Hashtag Me Too, which is the hashtag that has been going around for the last several months in support of awareness around sexual assault. So that's what we're going to touch on today. So we have Emily Randall here today, and she is the founder of the power of your voice. And she got a really dope logo. Y'all got to see this logo. Her logo is really dope. So Emily, if you could just tell us a little bit more about um, the power of your voice. So the power of your voice is essentially a support system for survivors of sexual violence that are looking to heal and to thrive. So this is the part of the journey wherein what's next? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I move forward? How do I heal? How do I find and love myself again and rediscover and own myself all over again yeah which is which is definitely really important when you are a survivor of sexual assault is a lot that's around um you know rebuilding yourself and and healing so that's actually really amazing that you're doing that um so just really quick for our listeners Mm -hmm. i just want to give a brief definition of what sexual assault is because there is a lot of uh, misunderstanding around that so i wanted to uh, just bring some clarity so according to the national sexual violence resource center sexual violence is any type of unwanted sexual contact, including sexual assault and rape. Now this can include words and actions like sexual harassment, catcalling, and non-consensual sharing of private images such as quote unquote revenge porn. Now there's also, I really wanna dig a little deeper into what consent means. Right. So people often think that consent is either yes or no, like it's really simple. But what I really appreciate about this website is they go a little bit deeper and it says it says that um, consent is more than a yes or no. So it is a dialogue about desires, needs and level of comfort with different sexual interactions. So it's not just about, hey, you want to have sex? Yes. Mm-hmm. You, no. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a little bit deeper. So based on your personal experience with sexual assault, what not exactly what was your experience, but how did it affect your mental health? Okay. Well, 
for one, I definitely didn't speak up immediately mm-hmm. because I felt like if I said anything, people would look at me differently. People would think something's wrong and just be in my business. So mm-hmm. over time, there are different things like depression came up, anxiety. Um, those are the two big things that came up over time. Um, and even on the journey, like that comes up as well because, you know, you just end up locking yourself in your own closet and just keeping your story there with you and not saying anything about it or not speaking up. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then on top of that, like you start your interactions with other people, they change because you're always these on trust edge. Issues yeah, and, like all yeah. these trust issues. Like honestly, just recently, I realized that my sexual assault was domestic mm. because I never claimed him. Mm-hmm. I never said, oh, that was my boyfriend or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I was. I said to myself, "Wait a second. That could stem from why I don't trust men in relationships or right. my various interactions with men, and because I realized that it was domestic. So it's a, just a constant journey of discovery and like and digging deeper into the different minute details of your story and mm. not um, putting it away. But yeah, like it definitely affected my mental health and it still does to this day. Yeah. Like recently I went to the doctor and I was telling her about like what's been going on with me because I've been going through a lot of highs and lows lately. And she said they seem these sound like symptoms of depression. Mm-hmm. Came down to being transitional depression where it's like I'm moving forward in different phases of my life and there's mm-hmm. so many different moving parts. Mm-hmm. So there are these moments where, like, you get down, out, and you just disconnect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that happened. I noticed that that happened at various different points in my life, which stemmed back to the, the sexual, sexual assault. assault. Yeah. And that could also be, um, like, PTSD mm-hmm. also. That's also another um, symptom or another effect of, you know, sexual assault. So how long ago did the incident happen, and how long did it take for you to finally speak out about it so that happened what year is this now we're in 2018 damn 2018 right um so november this year would make 10 years ago wow yeah i was 14 just turned 14 actually and um until i started speaking up i want to say it was about a year and a half ago wow so this was really tucked under the rug like under the rugs of rugs of rugs (laughs) you just like harbored that Mm -hmm. That 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 must have been, yeah, and yeah, and, and on top of that, like, I didn't realize that so many different actions and attitudes that I had were related to that until I started to do the work and dig deep and like, when I what actually helped me to speak up was going to therapy. Mm-hmm. That was my next question. Yeah, like that's that's what started my healing journey. Going to therapy, I opened up to a close family member of mine recently well right before i started seeing a therapist Mm -hmm. and she recommended like okay i recommend you see a therapist and specifically a black therapist because culture wise like they just understand like households conversations like what flies and what doesn't fly you (laughs) know like talking like talking to someone you know a family member or a friend like they they get it and um touching back on what you said about Mm -hmm. culture because i remember we had a conversation just you know outside Mm -hmm. a while ago and you were saying that you're from a caribbean background Mm -hmm. so how did that how did you speaking out about your sexual assault Mm -hmm. affect your culture or affect your you know your immediate family like your mom and dad like mm-hmm. how how did that happen okay so at first when everything first happened 
I didn't say anything until about nine months later. Mm-hmm. So I finally opened up to not a direct family member, but somebody in my family. And when I asked them, like, don't tell anybody, they were like, how can I tell someone how stupid you are? And I was like, what? Stupid? <laughs> like, what did I do that was wrong in this situation? So, so wait, they were like victim, not victimized, but blaming you. Yeah. And yeah, blaming mm. me for putting myself in this predicament, for provoking somebody, whatever the case may be. And I was like, really? No, mm. that's not the case. So then that was actually what really made me close my mouth and just yeah. stay silent after that. So when I finally opened up to my parents, which was back in October, because I spoke at Mount Sinai to their advocates that were in training. Mm-hmm. I was a guest speaker survivor. And my family was going to be there. So I said, damn, I kind of have to, like, tell them all the details because I don't want them to react in public yeah. to... Um, like they just found out. Right, like, like oh, this my is gosh. how we like, found out? Yeah. Right, so I said, you know what, let me take it upon myself, talk to them, let them know what's going on or what happened. Mm-hmm. And not even just what happened, but, like, what transpired over years' time. Yeah. So when I sat down and spoke with them, it was challenging, like, very challenging, but... Um, the support was there. Okay. And the first thing they asked me was, why do you want to have everybody know about your story? Like, why don't you just want to keep that to yourself and just mm-hmm. heal on your own? I said, healing isn't done individually, it's done in community. Yeah. Because every day, anything that happens to us, we always think that we're alone in what happens. We right. think that we're the only one experiencing something. But if you put it out there and let people know, like, this is what's going on, this is the real deal, mm-hmm. like... They understand that they're not alone on their journey too. Yeah. So like, come on, join me. Yeah, like, we can and that might together. encourage, yeah, encourage them to speak out about their mm-hmm. experience as well because it. We definitely need to bring awareness to the to the issue, mm-hmm. and it's not just amongst women. You know what I'm saying? It's not just young women. It's elderly mm-hmm. women, men, transgender, whatever you yeah. have it. It's it's not just you know, oh, why you wore that skirt? You you provoked them. You were looking all provocative. Mm-hmm. And, like, no, like, you could be in a nun outfit, and it still, you know, it still can happen to you. So definitely raising awareness around that. And it's not just a woman issue. It's a culture issue. Right. It's because, it's th- honestly, like, I, always, I was telling Alex, actually, that um, – Perpetrators, they get to be supported as well because there's some type of healing that mm. they need to have as well in order to move forward so they're not doing that anymore or that somebody else isn't doing that because mental health could start from a very early age right. and could contribute to actions that happen later on in life. So if it's not addressed from so early, mm-hmm. then all these different actions, attitudes, and violence can occur. Yeah. So yeah. if we t- if we tackle that from early, then things can be prevented. Yeah. So yeah. those perpetrators, like, if they they, ha- they may be going through their own shit, too. Yeah, like, everyone does. And it's not to say it's okay what they do, but it's like, how can I help you also? Yeah. Like, what support do you need? Because everyone's pointing fingers at you as well, but it's like, no what's one's looking going on at with the, you? Yeah, right. like what's going, yeah, what's going on with you? Like, what... Why? Why is this? You know, something that you do. Like, mm-hmm. what happened to your childhood, or happened? Some they could have been a victim as well. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's definitely an interesting standpoint. You definitely don't hear too many people sympathizing with mm-hmm. the the perpetrator. So yeah, definitely. Now, according to MentalHealthAmerica.net, it says that one in six women and one in thirty three men report experiencing an attempted 
or completed rape in their lifetime. Now, this is only statistics on people that actually report it, mm-hmm. not people that are experiencing it. So what, in your experience, would I say, would you say to someone to encourage them to, you know, go forward with speaking out about it? So, like, what would I say? Like, them? what, because there's pre- preventive measures, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, you... Even though it was about 10 years later, you had the courage to finally come out and, you mm-hmm. know, and speak about your experience. So with the power of your voice, what exactly, how do you use that vehicle to encourage others to speak out about their experience? Hmm. Okay. Well, I can go by example. Mm-hmm. So just recently, somebody that I went to college with... <laughs> We had a big falling out, which is crazy. That mm-hmm. I was like, I was even surprised she reached out to me mm-hmm. was seeking support, and we had a phone call. And then she told me her story, and because what I do is I make sure people feel comfortable enough to even share. Mm-hmm. I say it's share whatever you feel comfortable sharing with me. Like mm-hmm. I'm not asking questions. Like just the, the mic is all yours. Yeah. So because I was even reading somewhere that it says that if a survivor is speaking with you, if you're doing too much talking then you're not lending support. Mm-hmm. The survivor should be doing all the talking. Right. So I let her speak, and then, like, she really opened up to me, poured out what was going on with her, and then I said, okay, what emotions come up for you when you tell your story? Mm-hmm. And how do we dig deeper into those emotions so you can release them? You know, because they're going to be there. They're going to come up from time to time. Yeah. But it's like, what I always encourage people is that you're human, and these feelings that you have are natural. Like, this is an ongoing journey. Yeah, so absolutely. there are going to be days where you feel down and out, where you don't want to talk to nobody. And then there's days where you feel super positive mm-hmm. and, like, you're great mm-hmm. and everything's popping. Like, but you're still human. So you're going to feel the feels. You're going to go through the experiences over time. Yeah. So and to encourage somebody to really use their voice is to help them understand that, like, this is an ongoing process. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight to heal. You're not going to be like this brand new person every other day. Like somebody told me the other day, my sexual assault happened to me over 30 years ago when I was a child. Mm. And to this day, That's I still, still have moments where I'm crying. I'm feeling down and out. But there are days where I feel great, mm. you know? So it's just it just changes over time how you handle your, your your situation, your story, and how you move forward from it as well. Mm-hmm. So, what my fam- my close family member that supported me to see therapy, she gave me that platform to just speak. Mm-hmm. She said, like, here, just talk with no judgment, no judgment, no, just let yeah. it out. And that's the space that needs to be provided out there, and that's what the space that I provide for people. Like, if you need support, like. Just reach out to me. We can mm-hmm. talk, have a video call, phone call, meet for coffee. Like, my ear is open for you to just speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Because, I'm sorry, even go back mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people, they don't feel like they have that space where they can speak because there's going to be judgment. And just the culture that we live in today, like mm-hmm. the world we live in, it's always pointing fingers at the person that survived the situation. Yeah, like, a what po- did you do to, mm-hmm. to you know, yeah. make this happen? Like, right. what role did you play? Like. Right, like the victim. You, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was the role. Like. That was it. Like I was just chilling, and like homeboy hopped up and like yeah, yeah. and said, "What's up?" Yeah. Like you know. So it's just having that space, like, yeah. and even if it's not with the power of your voice or with me specifically, like having that one confidant that you could say that. 
all right, I can speak freely and open with this person without mm-hmm. feeling any type of judgment because I actually found that in my brother mm-hmm. because when I opened up to him before I spoke at Mount Sinai, I, I said to him that you gave me the support that I've been waiting for for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why didn't you ever tell me? So that was going to be my <laughs> next question because I was like, maybe it wasn't that the support wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You just didn't seek the support. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? So the support was there all along. Mm-hmm. You just, you know... For your own reasons, right, you right. just chose, you know, not to. Um, so I also read that it says that victims often know the person who sexually assaulted, sexually assaulted them. And mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that it was a, a guy that you dealt with. Um, and you guys weren't, like, exclusive. You just some guy you was, like, no, okay. talking to or, like. <laughs> so let me give you a little background of this um, this person. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you saw my face. <laughs> like, oh, boy, like. I rolled. Yeah. <laughs> so I was new at a high school mm-hmm. and um, ninth grade, brand new. Entered the school at 13 years old. 14 was my birthday, like October. a week before. No, November, November, November yeah. yeah. It was my birthday the week before everything happened. And yeah, crazy. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what you would call it? He asked me to be his girlfriend because he was feeling me. I was like, I was naive. I had my mm-hmm. first kiss like two weeks before he even asked me to be his girlfriend. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know nothing about no like, man. Okay. Like, so then I said no at first. Mm-hmm. And these girls set it up and they're like, oh, talk to him, blah, blah, blah. Like, why'd you say no? So then they set us up to talk in the hallway at school. Was he older or he was in your grade? He was a year older than me. Okay. So um, set us up in the hallway so we could talk. And then... Because I was I was very like meek, mild, and quiet to myself. So and and also very naive. So I have no street smarts to know like, all right, you're acting kind of sus. Like mm-hmm. what's going on here? So he told us like, oh, let's go up to the third floor and talk. Cause I found out at that time that the third floor hallway that we were in was a space that nobody goes to. Like mm-hmm. it was just like a dead hallway. Like nobody's there. We're walking, talking, and then um, he's like, why'd you say no, blah, 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 and basically convinced me to say yes and be his girlfriend. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll be your girl. Then that's when everything happened, like throwing me up against lockers, like shoving his tongue down my throat, like aggressively putting my hand down his pants and everything. It got real in that hallway. Like it, it was, wow. it was scary, really scary. And I wasn't fighting back because I was like, if I don't fight, if if I fight back, like, what's going to happen? Like, how is he going to react if I fight back? So it was a lot of fear as well. Yeah. So then eventually. I mean, that's, that's scary, though. Like, yeah. that's, you're in school. That's a place where you're supposed to, you know, be safe and mm-hmm. be, wow. Yeah. Wow. So eventually at my school, there was a, there's a three o'clock, four o'clock and six o'clock bus for students that live outside of the, the school's town. Mm-hmm. So I ended up missing the four o'clock bus. So I'm waiting until the six o'clock bus. At this time, we're like honeymoon, boyfriend, girlfriend type of bullshit. Mm-hmm. So he's being all nice and all this stuff. This is that same day? Mm-hmm. Same day. <laughs> being all nice. I'm doing my homework, minding my business. We get on the bus. I'm walking to the bus and my friend of mine, um, I'm like, are you taking the bus too? And he's like, he's like, nah. And he saw this fear in my face when I, I realized it was just gonna be me and him on the bus. Mm. So he was like, oh shit! Like he immediately knew, like something she, was up. Yeah, yeah, like she didn't want to be with him. 
So we got on the bus, and that's when everything really transpired. Like, dragged me to the back of the bus. He pulled out his penis so I could play with it. He's like, yo, come on, play with it. You're my girl. Like, just just do this for me. Like, why wouldn't you do this if you're my girlfriend? And I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, are you dumb? <laughs> like, yeah. So it was a lot of like, oh, you're my girl, so you have to do X, Y, and Z. A lot of, lot of mental manipulation and Lots emotional. Lots of yeah. manipulation. Yeah. So then um, I remember I was wearing a button-down shirt that day. And because I kept saying, I was like fighting back, rejecting him. He was like, oh, for this, you get that. So he rips open my shirt. And he like he pulls my breasts out my bra and he's like biting me. And this me all happened on the bus. On the bus, and I lean my head back to scream, and he puts his hand over my mouth. The bus driver stops the bus and he's like, "What's going on back there?" And he's like, "Oh, she's just playing around." Because usually when we're on the bus, like we're all loud and crazy yeah. and stuff like that. So then the bus driver just continues driving, yeah. and then he continues doing what he was doing. And thankfully, like, by the grace of God, like, when he was about to pull down my pants to rape me, I picked up my legs and kicked him off of me. And he fell backwards into the seat next to mm -hmm. us. Then he got off actually in, like, five minutes on the next stop. And he's like, oh, tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. I'm like, just so he could shut up, I was like, I love you. And he just got off the bus. And I was crying my eyes out on the bus. I got to the bus stop. My dad picks me up. And he's yelling at me because I missed the bus from earlier. Yeah, not and even knowing. like. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, I'm not even hearing you right now. Yeah. I get home. I look in the bathroom. And I see all these, like, bite marks and hand marks all over my body. And I never seen myself in that state before. Mm. So... I broke down in tears on the floor in the bathroom, and I couldn't even find strength to get up and walk to my room, which is all of, like, two feet from the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Crawled my way to my room, and then I just cried for the rest of the night until I went to went to school the next morning. Went to school all black, hood up, like, not talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. And everyone kept asking me, like... And did you see him in school the next day? Mm -hmm. Like he, Yeah, so the what next... What was that interaction like? So I was really avoiding him. Like I would see him from a distance, and I would dip the other direction. So I knew where his locker was in school, and for all those three years until he graduated before I did, I would avoid his his hallway. So I don't mm. see him in the in around school, and the black community at my school is very small. So like all of us, we really were tight knit. So it was kind of hard to, to avoid, avoid him. him because just just because of how the community was. I remember the next day, the same friend that saw my facial expression before I got on the bus, he was like, I heard about what happened. And I'm saying to myself, like, it is 8 a.m. This happened yesterday at, like, 6. six yeah. So how did you hear something already? And I'm looking at him, I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, son, like, just hear me out. Whatever happened, I did not want it to happen. Other people looking at me crazy around the hallways. I'm like, why is everybody looking at me crazy? I see this girl that was my close friend that was considered like a, a little sister to him. I see her and she looks at me with like this disgust in her face. And mm. I'm like, I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? She goes, I heard about what happened with you and him. Um, he said you gave it up so easily and you disgust me. I was wow. like, what? What? I was I was beyond confused because I'm going through this traumatic situation in my right. head replaying and it's still it, replaying fresh. it. Like, beyond yeah. like this is like not even, even twenty four hours. Right. Yeah. Like not even twenty four hours since since this occurred. And I'm just like, What? I'm like, I'm here crying my eyes out and everyone's telling me that 
he's saying I gave it up easily and I did X, Y, and Z and I wanted this and I wanted that. And I'm just like, no, that is not mm, what that's happened. That's not how it went down. That's that is not, not how it went down. So then ended up being the next day, we had like this like business dress up thing we had to do at school. And my friend was like, one one person that was sort of in my corner, I didn't tell her everything, but I did tell her that like whatever happened was not consented. Mm-hmm. She said, okay, tomorrow we're going to go break up with him in the, in the cafeteria, like when he's getting breakfast, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm dressed up all nice for school, go see him in the cafeteria. So this is two days after it happened. And I'm like, we're done. He's like, I didn't want you anyways. It's fine with me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this, mm. mo- this motherfucker, like, wow. you deadass. The next thing you know, over weeks' time, he's following me to my locker after school, after track practice, uh, trying to apologize to me, writing me letters, all these different things. Nah, and I said, I'm not accepting this bullshit because you know you did some shit wrong that you should never done in the first place. Right. And then try to turn it on me and make it sound like... I gave right. it up, like right. So and you know, high school, high school, please, yo. You tell one person, you told the whole school, pretty much. And like he was a he was a a star player on the team, and all the well, I, actually he was no star player. He was just <laughs> he a was just a player. <laughs> he was he just a player. <laughs> that was it. Like he was benched a lot. <laughs> but yeah, so. I didn't want to ruin his reputation by telling anybody because I'm like, if I tell this person, then police get involved and you know, all these different things, and his reputation goes downhill. Everybody knows my business, and I, I'm a very low key person. I don't like people in my business like that. Mm-hmm. So um, then and now, like, I don't like people in my business. Yeah. So I just didn't want to even touch that avenue to to rectify the situation. Yeah. So and and on top of that, I remember. Recently, I read my diary that I wrote when I was 14 about what happened. Mm. And it was actually, I love my brother. It was him that encouraged me to read it. He said, that's how you're going to connect with your why and why you even started this. Because he's like, you're going to see the juvenile handwriting at 14 years old. And he said, at 14, you had no filters, so you didn't even know how to, like, curtail what you're writing. So (laughs) it was so pure and authentic, you know? So I sat down and I read it, and there were just different parts of the story that came up that I was like, I didn't even remember this. Yeah, because I repressed it. I pushed it so far in the back of my mind, I didn't remember. So there was even one instance where he followed me to my locker, and... Um, he's begging me to be his girl, blah, blah, blah. I'm, this is all from my diary that I'm, I'm recalling this. Mm-hmm. He's begging me to be his girl, all of that. And next thing you know, I say no to him, and he, I hear him down the hall, but he starts crying. So at that time, like, if I saw somebody crying, I'm like, I got to I gotta see if that person's okay, what's going on, how can I help them? My little naive ass, like, <laughs> went down the hallway, and I was like, yo, it's okay, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And then he turns around, gives me a hug, and he's crying in my arms. And I'm standing there like, all right, this was not the plan. But I want to console him because I felt bad to see him crying like that. You know? And he played off your emotion. mm -hmm, Because I was just being supportive. And I immediately said, like, fuck me. Like, let Mm -hmm. me help you out. 
And then I realized that was a trend, like, going on for years after that. Like, always putting other people before me and my feelings to make sure that they're okay. Mm -hmm. And then when I started this healing journey, I realized, like, wait, check in. How are you, Emily? Like, look in the mirror. How are you? What's going on? Like, before you lend out all this support to people, what's going on with you? So there are just a lot of different things that stem from that one occurrence that shaped me over the years into the person that I grew into being and even realizing like certain downfalls because like one big thing that came up for me like when I started having sex was I tried to find power through sex Mm -hmm. because in a way that's where my power was stripped away something sexually related so I said okay well since my power was taken away in that respect. Let me get it back doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there was promiscuity, and I was hurting other people, hurting myself, and not even have a connection with nobody. Yeah, I was just about to say, just emotionally detached and just kind of like one and done. Like, all right, next. Yeah, yeah. pretty much <laughs> how it was. And um, and I realized that this wasn't serving me whatsoever because, you know, like they always say that um, – the more people you have sex with, the lo- the looser the glue gets between you and somebody else. Because sex is such a sacred and emotional connected thing mm-hmm. that it's like when you have sex with somebody, you allow somebody to have sex with you, there's a deep connection there. Mm-hmm. So then when you, so you know, as you use glue over time and you restick, restick, it doesn't always stick back the same way. So then you don't even have any type of emotional, physical, mental connection, connection. to sex. You're just like, all right, well, that was cool. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That, there was a lot that stemmed from the sexual assault that I didn't even realize was due to that. Yeah. 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 So are you, are you still in therapy now? Mm-hmm. See okay. him every other week. That is my. Oh, I love <laughs> oh so you see a male That's yes interesting. yes okay. that was a stretch honestly um hearing that he was a black man that was a stretch okay um because i didn't really trust black men besides my dad and my brother mm-hmm. i didn't really trust black men and even like people that i was involved with over years time like just doing me wrong here and there they were black men so when I got to a therapist and seeing that he was a black man, I said, okay. I was like, God, you're trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. Like, and I realized that the lesson, which I'm still discovering, is that there are still good black men in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you may have been done wrong by so many, but look at your brother, look at your father, look at your therapist. Like, you have three good examples mm-hmm. of good black men in this world. Yeah. Right? And that's just three of, of, of many. Of many, yeah. You know? So it was challenging and just even opening up to him because he re- recently said to me, he's like, you never told me your story. And, and how said, long have you been seeing A year him? and a half. Like, he knew that I was sexually assaulted and he mm-hmm. knew, like, what came up after it, mm-hmm. but he didn't know the full story. And I said, Wow. Mm. And that and that just goes to show you that like that trust still wasn't a hundred percent. Yeah. Like even when I'm I met somebody recently and he told me he was a survivor, another black man. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell him that I was a survivor. So you're still kind of guarded around it. Yeah, like because it's an on like I said before, it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing process of comfortability, of wanting to open up to people, and even feeling like almost like some does somebody deserve to know this intricate detail about myself? Like I even think about going on dates. I'm like, do I say this on the first date? I'm like, that's not really mm, yeah, the greatest no, conversation. Like, 
Yeah. How was your day? I was sexually assaulted. Like, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, like, uh, okay. Might not get to date two. Right. <laughs> right. But, um, you, know, you know, so um, it's, it's, it's challenging, but... It's still ongoing, and I always remind people, I'm like, I'm not perfect. I'm I'm human just like you are, too. I have my days where I don't talk to people. Mm-hmm. Now my days where I'm all out yeah. and open, but it's just, you're just constantly in discovery. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, definitely thank you for, for sharing your story with us and for sharing it through the power of your voice. Um, we want to let our listeners know where they can find you. Yes, you could find me on Instagram at the power of your voice is spelled correctly everything. Um, Facebook, the power of your voice also. Or awesome. Oh, oh, the power of your voice dot org. Oh, I love my website so much. <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy. Um, and also on my website, if you click on PYV merchandise, you can get mm-hmm. my T-shirts, long sleeve shirts, crew necks, and sweatshirts. She got the apparel out here. Yeah, man. I'm out here, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Power your voice. So all month long, it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. April 3rd is the Day of Action. So wear your teal. I see you got your teal cup here. You, you here know, repre- this that was wasn't not even on by. purpose. <laughs> when I bought this, I was like, oh, this You're is so cute. Connected. You're but connected. Yeah, yeah, I am connected. Yeah. That's actually my favorite color. And I, got the, and I got the bracelet on. I don't take it off. I got your bracelet on. Yes, so I'm, I'm wearing my teal. This is, this is the only teal I got in my closet. So. <laughs> yeah, but no, really, thank you. Definitely thank you for sharing it. It does take a lot of courage and a lot of, um, you know, you have to be ready. You mm-hmm. have to be ready to talk about it and encourage others to yeah. talk about it because it's not, it's not an easy discussion. It's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that, you know, it's coming to the forefront and people are – more willing to to talk about it so definitely thank you for that so ladies and gentlemen we will be wrapping it up you can find us on me too radio zone on instagram as well as facebook definitely email us any questions comments concerns if you want to be on the show me to radiozone at gmail.com that's me the number two radiozone at gmail.com Anything else you want to add? Um, I do want to say two things. Okay. So I know we mentioned the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Like Me Too is the title of this. So it's not just a movement. It's not just temporary. Mm-hmm. This is a culture. This is a lifestyle. And it's also, yeah, that yeah, it's a culture and a lifestyle. It doesn't just stop at a hashtag. Yeah. It's an everyday thing. It's when you see something, you say something. Mm-hmm. Like they say on MTA. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like you see something, you say something, you stop it, you speak up. And um you realize that time is up for staying silent mm-hmm. and you use your voice. And yeah. also there's power in your voice there's power in sharing because every time i share i feel more and more liberated Mm -hmm. i feel more and more free more open so really use your voice to touch others because you never know what you're going to say that's going to help somebody else absolutely so definitely share with somebody you can you trust you can find in it if you actually want to just talk to me Email me, thepowerofyourvoice at gmail.com, and we can get a conversation going and see how I can support you as well. That's what's up. 
That was the two things? Yeah. Was, I was like, I, I feel was like, like, like that was one. <laughs> <laughs> like a two in one. Yeah, two in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So thank you for tuning in with us today and zone out. And for that we have each other. And for that we have each other. A thousand times again